It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast, the midweek edition prior to the Cheetahs game. William Davis is on the line, I'm Alan Deegan, and today we're going to talk about the press conference that William and I attended today with Nigel Carroll and Tom Farrell. We also in attendance at the, the Cheetahs press conference, um, so we'll, we'll hear um, the South African thoughts of the upcoming match. Um, we'll mention how the Cheetahs are getting on so far this season and maybe one or two players to keep an eye on. Um, we'll talk about the injury list and we'll finish off with um, the trouble that the Irish World Cup bid appears to be in. So William, um, interesting press conference today. Yeah, it was a very interesting press conference. It's also slightly unusual that you get the opportunity to talk to the, the opposition on the same day. Uh, it'll only ever happen when the South African teams are here. Uh, they're on the second week of their tour. They had a, a good win in Zebra last uh, Saturday night the last seconds penalty to win 24-23, having been 16-6 down at half-time. And uh, they had Rory Duncan, their coach, Torsten van Jarsveld, who I think will be taking over as captain, and Tian Mayer. And uh, it was good to talk to them. It's always interesting to get a different perspective. The Toyota Free State Cheetahs, to give them their full title, are third in our conference. They're eight points ahead of Connacht at the moment. I think they are going to make a serious uh, attempt to get themselves into the Pro 14 playoffs come uh, later in the season. They certainly are, and yeah, their that win against Zebra was their first away win. Their their all their, their other three wins have come at home, and the other two defeats they had were in in Ireland against Ulster and Munster at the very start. But um, as we hear in the press conference, they I think they've adapted to Northern Hemisphere rugby. At this stage, so first of all, we're going to hear from Nigel Carolyn and Tom Farrell. Nigel, there must have been a good sense of satisfaction on Friday evening after that. It was... Yeah, um, we had a good week. Uh, we had a very good week in preparation. Um, we we were we had a shorter time on feet on the pit uh, in training, but it it was really sharp and. Um, we also had Bill Bezik over from uh, the UK as a sports psychologist and just in mindset and and uh, great storyteller. I think he made a massive uh, ma- a massive effect on the group, <coughs> just in terms of positivity and how we approach things and how we think about things. And um, I think his timing was great. And uh, I think the lads got a real bounce <coughs> of it. And uh, you know, between the combination of training and the shorter week and on the back of two wins in Europe, I think uh, it all just came together and. You know, while it wasn't perfect, it was certainly satisfying. You know, to to grind out a win and uh, you know against what we would have regarded as as a strong monster team. Yeah, it sort of had the feel of the game a couple of seasons ago. They went ten nil up, and Connick were maybe a little bit off the pace, but then they galvanised themselves and uh, and they got going. And the defence, having watched it again, was very accurate in what they did all the time and they, they sort of smothered them. Was, was that the plan? Um, I think when you talk about the the slow pace, I think it was just a, again, it was a number of really small errors. There was, um, you know, we missed the restart. We had a scrum that sped out and we knocked it on and there was a missed tackle. There was a lot of small little errors and we found at the tar- start of the season that a lot of small errors have had big consequences for us. and. Um, I think it's a it's a sign of where the team is getting to. We've never panicked, even in the season, and I think even in the the micro in the game, you know, we just didn't panic. We said, you know, we, we weren't going to play the scoreline. We just got to play the next the next job. And yeah, when we went a score behind, I thought we were 
we were positive in our in our next um, in our next attack. We had a line break off the off the next line out, and uh, we got in behind them, but we we just didn't panic. And uh, defensively, we we had a big day at the office. Um, you know, you could see that monster, the amount of ball that they kicked away. They weren't having much uh, much joy in playing through through hand or through phases. I think they kicked a lot, which is sort of a testament to um, you know the the enforcement of our of our defence. And when they went down to fourteen, did that does that have a psychological effect? But yeah, there, like there was still twenty minutes to go, so I, I think from you know we have a choice: we can either capitalise that, or our monster can kind of panic with that. And what it does when you lose one of your back three, it opens up a bit of space at the back. And um, you know, at a time in the game, I think that that third quarter of the game, we really struggled to get out of our half. Um, we sustained, you know, a lot of pressure defensively, and um, we just struggled to get that pitch position to. Uh, you know, we we got back level to get our nose in front and. I think when they lost Andrew Conway, it sort of released a bit of space at the back and um, they had more to cover. And I think we just, once we got a sniff, I said thanks to the, the chap on my left, he said he, he took advantage in that, uh, in that link and, uh, you know, and there was no one at home then to, to, you know, to reel him in, which, is, which mightn't have caught him anyway, but at least he, he took advantage of where the space was. Um, looking forward to next Saturday now against the uh, Cheetahs who are sort of they've got into third place almost in the in the conference without anybody really noticing them although I'm sure you've been keeping good tabs on them um, anything in particular you're expecting from them? Yeah they had a slow start as well um, to the season I mean their their first two weeks in Ireland were uh, you know were forgettable I'm sure for them I mean they got they got dragged up in, up in Ulster and, and then they went to Munster where they you know totally capitulated and uh, but we always spoke that that wasn't the true uh the true cheetah side, I think Razzy Rasmus, who probably know a little bit more about them, said, "Look, if these guys are going to come good, and um, certainly their home form has been uh, has been excellent. You know, I mean, they they totally put Leinster away over there, and uh, <clears throat> they're a team that they play a high tempo, high risk game. They throw it around. They've got some serious gas, and uh, you know, it's um, if you don't shut that down, they're very dangerous." Um, on the other side of that is, I mean, there are a team who who've had a lot scored against them. So while they're they're all out of attack, they can be, they can leak tries as well. So we've got to just make sure that we can capitalize on, on those opportunities without losing our focus, which is about playing with tempo and ambition, and you know, and um, and about possession and keeping the ball and putting teams, you know, through uh, through a number of phases and, and and making them really work hard in defense. So we just got to make sure that any opportunity that comes up, we. We pounce on it. Just looking down the injuries here, the one that stands out is obviously Jared Butler, who ha- I thought had a fantastic game, and he was also uh, the man of the match for whatever. You know, that's one of these things they have to award. But you're a bit short of open sides now, so it's going to have to be a little bit mix and match until Jake comes back. Yeah, look, I don't think we've had the same team go out two weekends in a row, so I think that's it's not something we're really worrying about. It's it, it's healthy that there's competition in the squad. We've rotated our back row, we've rotated our back three, we've rotated our front rows. Everyone's got a, an equal chance, and uh, you know, Owen McKeown, he's had a number of games there when we rested Jared Butler, and he's shown to be very um, very effective at the seven shirt. So um, it's not something we particularly worry about, and and even how we play. It doesn't really matter what numbers on your back in the back row. They they all have roles and 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 they're various roles that are interchangeable. So um, you know everyone gets a chance to be effective. But uh, look, you know Jared is 
has been a super signing for us. He's a he, he's um, a real effective player, and you know, particularly strong over the ball. His ball carrying is excellent. He's solid in defence. You know, he's a real complete player. So um, you know, I think whoever's going to replace him is, has got certainly big uh, shoes to fill. Tom, the um, performance on Friday and scoring the decisive try, how enjoyable was that? Yeah, yeah, it was always nice to score an important try in a big game like that, um, particularly against Munster. And I suppose with the game in the dying stage of the game, only 10, 15 minutes to go, it, was, it is a nice moment. The team overall, when the pressure came on this season, uh, Nigel has just said there the confidence levels didn't drop and the players kept going so was was friday or friday night was that the culmination of that did that sort of really steal everybody and you think yep yeah, we've we've taken a big step forward now line in the sand and we've moved over it yeah like like the games before that even like we have been building like we put in good performances against uh, scarlets against um against ulster and then we had two good wins in europe as well so we were kind of building the whole time and then um, i think just there on Friday night, it really kind of proved that we are capable of competing in, this, in the competition, especially when we put it up to the likes of Munster. We are capable of these um, of these games, like so. We can't take a lot of confidence and positivity from it. When you saw that gap and you took it and you went through, what, what does anything go through your mind other than the line? Uh, Crowds, about, the place is about to explode. Yeah, it's just actually like two or three minutes before I was cramping up and I said to myself in my head, if I if I make a break here, I don't know if I'm going to make it, but uh, I suppose. Bill Beswick's in the back of the head and he said the things you can actually achieve when you put your mind to it so um, uh, yeah I actually just about made it in the end and then Bundy damn near killed you when he landed on top <laughs> yeah, of you no, I wasn't team. expecting that he'd <laughs> no. get his tackle count up <laughs> he was yeah um, what are you expecting from the uh, Cheetahs at the weekend um, we just had a good look at them there this morning they're, um, they have a lot of good athletes on their side um, a lot of pace in their back three especially and they have two good physical centres. Um, they will they will throw around a good bit. Um, like Nigel said, they are susceptible to um, a few line breaks, and like they are, their defence hasn't been up to scratch that much in the recent games. Like so, hopefully we can exploit them opportunities we've been working on this morning. Okay, that was Nigel and Tom. Um, quite upbeat after that great win at the weekend. Yeah, they were, I think uh, absolutely. Uh, no reason not to be um, I think it was a very important win I think it'll settle everybody down a bit and I think it was important for, for Nigel also to say that this section of games has to be finished with another win on Saturday uh, Connacht's record going into these type of final games before breaks is pretty abysmal so there's still work to be done and obviously, I think the defence was was very very important. Yeah, and the other thing that I think that that sort of impressed me most was the game management. Like we kicked it thirty eight times. We've been averaging something like seventeen kicks in a game, um, and that meant that you know it was forcing Munster to try and gain field position. And in the first half, we didn't win as much as we would have liked. In the second half, I think it got a lot better. Um, so it was interesting to see Craig Ronaldson coming on and playing ten for quite a chunk of the game too. Okay, now let's hear from um, the Cheetahs. Rory, how pleased were you to get that last second win on uh, the weekend in Zebra? Yeah, very happy to, to, to obviously go in and, and, and walk away with the points, I think. Um, you know, it was a tough, tough outing and, and uh, 
uh, you know, it, it it was sort of difficult to get out of the starting blocks. But um, to walk away with the four points, we're very happy. You're third in the conference. It's it's almost hap- happened under the radar. How happy are you to be in, in that position now from, from where you were when the, after the first two games? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, going back to those first two games, we always knew it was going to be a tough outing. We knew that, that um, coming over here and playing quality teams like Ulster and Munster was going to be a, a tough start. Um, but, uh, you know, we obviously managed to get a bit of momentum at home and, and um, you know, adapted, uh, you know, one or two areas of our games that, that, that have made a big... Uh, Impact on our results, and um, yeah, very happy to be in, in in the position. Obviously, we you know we want to keep fighting um, for our position and, and and to move up the way. But um, um, yeah, happy we uh, we be all right now. Uh, what is there anything that's particularly surprised you about Northern Hemisphere, or is there, you say you've had to make some changes? But is has there been surprises along the way? Yeah, I think I think you know one of the things that the Northern Hemisphere's two uh, teams do is is. They manage the game very, very well. Um, also, they they play quite a direct brand of of, of rugby, physical um, rugby. Um, and you know, I think we were caught a little bit off guard in those in those first couple of games. But um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, the teams adapted well and, and happy to be in the position that we're at. And looking forward to the weekend, Connacht here, your first visit to Galway. It's a fairly typical sports ground morning. It's a bit windy, raining. Um, but lo- looking ahead, what are you expecting from Connacht? How, how having you know that their season seems to be getting into gear a bit now. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, first of all, from a weather perspective, uh, I, I think the weather's been quite nice. You know, we've we've heard all these horror stories about coming here. We've obviously watched a couple of the videos of of uh, um, certainly that I think it was the Worcester game that looked quite interesting with the wind howling howling down the pitch. But um, you know, the weather's been great, and we've obviously seen the forecast for Saturday, so it looks like it's going to be a nice uh, uh, nice evening. Um, yeah, Connor's one of those teams that, that's also sort of gained a bit of momentum the last couple of games. They, um, you know, obviously look really good against uh, Munster. They're a team that, um, uh, you know, though they kicked a bit more this weekend, they've, they've a team that, that's shown throughout the competition that they've got the ability to hang on to possession, go through a number of phases. So um, we anticipate that's what we're going to get this weekend. Thorsten, the players have had to make a big adjustment, obviously changing from playing in Super Rugby, coming up to to European rugby, it all happened very quickly. What what particular challenges have you had to, to handle? Yeah, I think some of the boys were impressed with the intensity of the teams down in Europe. Uh, I think some of us uh, thought it will be a lot more direct without intensity, but uh, they do have lots of intensity and lots of directness with the forwards. So, and they they hang on to the ball really well. We were kind of impressed with um, Connacht's ball retention. So definitely going to try and target that. Is it easier? I mean, we heard when the Kings were here, they were talking about the amount of travel time where you were going to New Zealand and Argentina. So is this really a lot easier just to come up and down almost on the same time zone? Yeah, it's not too bad, I must say. Um, it's really not, especially if, you have, if you've got a week to stay. So you get time to adapt. Uh, it's really not that bad. Really not that bad. It's just uh, in New Zealand and Australia, you just stay longer, three to four weeks, where we stay two weeks. So that's about the only difference. And is it any concern to the players or the management that you're still blocked out of the European competition? If if you finish third, you can go into the playoffs in Pro 14, but the European <laughs> is still 
yeah, a little way off. Yeah, it is a bit of a, uh, a bugger that we can't play that Heineken Cup as well. So, but uh, first year in the competition, I think we we are excited to be part of it, and um, we, we're thankful to be part of it as well. And then hopefully next year they they'll see it as a good good enough team to be part of the Heineken Cup. And Tian is where you are now in the conference. Is that a bit ahead of where you expected to be, or were you hoping to be sort of in the top three at this stage? We always we we plan to do as well as we can you know obviously um we thought we'd do well um but we also there was obviously those vague areas where you you kind of you think you can plan and um but there's always the unexpected um like Torsten said you have your perspective of how the teams are playing and maybe you and you, you come over and it's a bit different than what you expected um you know, um, the talk in South Africa is this European, it's slow rugby, it's a lot of kicking and things, and then we get you the first two weeks, and you know the ball retention is great. So I'm gonna jump in there and just, just I mean, from a, from a, yeah, when we talk about where we are at the moment, it's it's always difficult coming up against teams that you haven't played against before. So, so you know, we we've always had the mindset, we always use a, uh, you know, we always talk about taking it one week at a time. Um, focusing on the game that we've got that weekend and 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 obviously um, our performance on that weekend. So you know, in terms of setting long term goals and saying, oh, we want to be here at this stage, we want to be here at that stage. That, that's not our approach. You know, we we said we're going to go into each game, try and get the win out of out of, out of each game. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll certainly get the good performances, and um, yeah, that's how we've ended up where we are at the moment. That was the that was the cheetahs, Rory Duncan, very. Uh, bullish about their chances of um, getting a victory at the weekend? I think um, they're going to feel very content they've had their first away win. It was a last second uh, penalty, but it's important for them if they're going to keep challenging to win away matches. They are going to be without uh, four players who've been called up for the South African game, and three of them played last Saturday in Zebra, Francois Venter, who was captain at centre, uh, Raymond Rule on the wing, Upa Mahoj, I hope I pronounced that right, the flanker, and they were also have lost Uzair Kasim, who is a flanker. Now, he had a rib injury and didn't play against Zebra, but he's part of the South African uh, teams, a team that are coming up here for a month-long tour. They're playing four internationals they're actually taking on Wales outside the um, international window on December the 2nd. Uh, and I think that probably shows a little bit that they are operating at a much different level to the Kings. The Kings haven't won a game yet, and I don't think any of their team is anywhere near the South African team. I think the the big thing is they tend to play a very um, loose game. They do throw the ball around a bit. That works against them on occasions. Uh, because it allows you to score tries, but they're also they're going to work you very very hard, and it'll be a big challenge again for Connacht on 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 uh, Saturday. It certainly will, and one of those players that I'm certainly looking forward to seeing is uh, Makazole Mapimpi, who's um, he's got 12 line breaks so far this season, and last week he ran for 122 meters. Um, he scored a lot of tries as well, so this this guy is going to be fascinating to watch, and uh, really looking forward to it. Um, scored two tries last week against Zebra. Uh, took them very well. They got the ball to him. They they took they put great widths on the ball. Uh, and on one of the occasions, you would have said it was um, not the right option, but he turned it into the correct option. 
Uh, but I think they will still provide a very good challenge for Connacht. I certainly think they will. Um, so talking on going as we come back to Connacht, we'll we'll talk about the injury list. There's a a few new injuries in there, and I suppose Jared Butler is the one everyone's um, most interested in. Yeah, unfortunately, Jared Butler, who was a uh, man of the match on Saturday and had a very very high quality game for Connacht, he underwent surgery yesterday on ligament damage in his knee, and he's going to be out for six to eight weeks. And that's very unfortunate because he was really starting to get better and better with every game. Um, Andrew Brown has also undergone surgery um, on his Achilles injury, which wasn't responding, I think, to the more um, maintenance treatment they were giving it. So he's not going to be available until early 2018. And... From that, the rest of it is pretty much as was last week. Dominic Robertson-McCoy, J.P. Cooney, they're out for a couple of weeks. Uh, James Connolly is having his injury that he got against Worcester assessed again. Jake Heenan is progressing well. Uh, Sean O'Brien recovering from shoulder surgery, but he's out till early 2018. Um, Owen Griffin, Peter Robb, uh, both been pro- progressing and being looked at. Peter Robb probably out till December. And Stacey Ely is being monitored. Cormac Brennan had the surgery that we knew about last week. So the list is getting a bit longer, but there is a break coming. And it's just part of part of modern rugby. Okay, we'll take a quick break here. The announcement this morning, the Rugby World Cup, looks like it's heading to South Africa. That hasn't particularly gone down well here. Are you surprised from where they... They were a few months ago when they, the, the bid almost seemed dead in the water to where they, the situation in South Africa now seems to be the preferred bidder. Yeah, I must be honest, I didn't know that the bid was nearly dead in the water. I must be honest, I was pretty confident in, in South Africa's bid and we obviously backed the bid um, you know, from the beginning. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's obviously... <laughs> I haven't been following the process um, as much as I probably should have been, but... Um, I think you know took it for granted that that, that we would be strong candidates. Okay. That was Cheetahs coach Rory Duncan, who um, wasn't at all surprised that uh, South Africa were top of the list for getting this World Cup bid going. Um, yeah, William, he's the, looking at the table here that we have in front of me. Ireland are are quite a distance behind both uh, France and South Africa with regard to the upcoming um, World Cup bid. Well, they they are. Um... They, they've, they've made a decision to, to have a, an oversight report done and they've published the results of it. Um, there was five criteria, all with different weighting percentages that add to 100. Um, South Africa have come out at 78.97% overall, France 75.88 and Ireland are lagging on 72.25%. Uh, this is not an absolute guarantee that South Africa have the World Cup because there are still delegates who have to vote. But it's hard to see a situation where you're going to get enough delegates voting against what is now the preferred bid uh, for world rugby. The South African bid has, has come up very much on the outside, uh, despite Rory Duncan's views there, I think. Um, mainly because... Uh, the South African government uh, basically banned 
South African sporting organisations from bidding for world events. Uh, that was tied into a very messy situation in Durban, where Durban had the right to host the Commonwealth Games stripped away from them simply because they couldn't they couldn't afford it and they couldn't show the organisers how they were going to make it happen. And it's one of the top 10 sporting events in the world in terms of numbers of people who go and number of sports that take part. Uh, and for Durban to lose it was considered very embarrassing for South Africa. But they've come up here. They've, uh, they've obviously done well in this report. They've put a lot of money on the table. Um, our hosting fee was the minimum required amount of 120 million. France have put 150 million on the table and South Africa put 160. Yeah, yeah, and that that would be disappointing to think that that money is going to be the be all and end all. Like we don't want to run down the go down the the FIFA and the and the Olympic game routes of money dictating absolutely everything and then you end up going to some strange places for major tournaments. Not saying that South Africa and France aren't strange places, but you know what I'm saying that it's that there has to be more to it than just money. What what has surprised me a little bit with it is, um, I think France will, pro- Ireland will be very disappointed, and they'll be looking at this, and they've said they're going to keep fighting, and they've absolutely no choice. But France must be slightly puzzled by this, um, because they're looking at stuff like infrastructure, and I assume that means transportation and facilities, um, and France is top class for that. I've been to South Africa quite a lot of times. Public transport, getting around cities is not easy. Um, it's not particularly safe in some instances. Um, but uh, I can't help but feel the comment by the South African rugby president, Mr. Jury Roux, who said hosting Rugby World Cup 2023 will be a massive boost for our country as well as the game of rugby. Um, but rugby in South Africa is in a bit of a mess. Uh, hence the fact they've got two teams playing in the Pro 14. They've got 300-plus players playing in Europe. Uh, Their attendances have dropped away significantly. So whether they've been giving the helping hand on this decision or not, I I don't know. I'm obviously very disappointed, and I have to be cognizant of the fact that this is an independent report. Um, But I'm... And I'm not entirely convinced about the the figures, but they must have been. But it's uh, 160 million is a lot of money to find. Uh, the 120 million that Ireland were finding was guaranteed by the government. Neither France or South Africa have full government backing. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, as you say, I'm I'm with you. I'm pretty disappointed. But I just this is only a recommendation from World Rugby. Um, the World Rugby Council are the ones with the vote, so there's 38 votes spread across various different organisations um, with you know teams like England and New Zealand having three votes and Asia Rugby having one vote and, and you know Eastern, Eastern European Rugby having one vote. So there's still an awful lot of politics to be played in this and I think that's going to be um, fascinating to see how it all pans out next in the next, what is it, November 15th I think is when it's, it's finally done. Yeah, we're certainly into end game on it now. Um, it'll probably go back now into the uh, the discussions in back rooms um, that they want. That's one of the reasons that they brought this report out today. They wanted to make it more visible how these decisions were made. 
Okay, so we'll wrap it up there and um, we'll get ready for the game at the weekend. It's a 7.35 kickoff in the sports ground. Uh, of course, Rob and Joe will be back doing commentary on uh, live commentary on Go Bay FM, and we'll be we'll be in the crowd, William. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, great atmosphere up there on Friday night. I think Friday night really is the night that ground rocks. But hopefully, lots of people turn up now again on Saturday. Uh, weather forecast is quite good again. Um, so let's 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 get the sports ground full. Let's get it rocking and. Um, see what these South African guys are up to. I think they'll be a much tougher ask than we saw from uh, the Kings when they were here in September. They will indeed, but hopefully Connacht will make it four wins in four and um, we'll have a great night. Thanks, William. Thanks, Alan. Good night. Ciao.